What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 17 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero of Niners Nation, and with me, as always, Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. What's up, Brandon? Stats, we're getting hot going into the playoffs here. You know, we had Trey Wingo on last week. If you missed last week's episode, obviously, go listen to that. I don't know how episodes hold up over a week, so maybe don't go listen to Listen to the interview. That's interesting. Uh, honestly, just listen to every episode again. Download them all. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate all that. But uh, playoffs here, stats, big times. It is the best time of the year. We've got tons of playoff spots and seating spots on the line. We've got all sorts of questions around the league. We're going to get into all of it. We're going to react to the Monday Night Football game, which was an absolute beatdown by the Buffalo Bills. Then we're going to get into our power rankings, top three for each of us for the MVP. And, of course, we'll break down the playoff picture in the AFC and the NFC and talk to Andy McNamara from Dogs by Nature about the Cleveland Browns, who had one of the most disappointing losses of the entire season this week against the New York football Jets. Well, let's start with Monday Night Football, Brandon. And, oh, my goodness, are the Buffalo Bills the team that nobody wants to play? They absolutely smashed the New England Patriots 38-9 to New England had 56 passing yards in the game with two quarterbacks. What is going on? Stats, the Bills remind me of the 2017 Eagles. They're just having fun out there. They look really good. Obviously, you know, Josh Allen, young quarterback, really rounding into form on the rise. I think the coaching there in Buffalo is good, as we've talked about with Sean McDermott, um, Brian Dable. Deserves a lot of credit. He's obviously going to be in head coaching conversations this year uh, coming up very shortly. So I think Buffalo is a well-oiled machine, and they're really rounding into form, heading into the playoffs. I feel really good about Buffalo right now. You know, they had some stretches this season. I think people, us included, we were reluctant to believe earlier in the year. You know, with Josh Allen, is is he really this good? I mean, obviously there's been some moments where he's faltered, but on the whole, when he's good, he looks really, really good. And it's really hard to not like where Buffalo is heading into the playoffs. I stats, it's crazy. You know, we're not even in the playoffs yet. I really feel like the Bills are gonna win the Super Bowl for the first time in their franchise history. That's where I'm what? at right now. Yeah. Over the Chiefs. Yep. Well, then you, sir, my friend, should go place a wager or two because right now. The Bills odds, according to DraftKings, and this is on Tuesday when we're recording this, the Bills are plus 900 to win the Super Bowl right now. So if you're feeling strong, I suggest you, you know, maybe make a little wager or two. But but they do have the thing I think you need to win a Super Bowl, which is you need a quarterback to play at an elite level. And when Josh Allen is on, like he was yesterday and like he has been at points this season, he is as good as anybody in the league. And I think that includes Patrick Mahomes. And you're right. He seems to be rolling right now. I mean, the throws that he makes, they're dialing up plays where the the actual play calls for him to fake it one way and do a complete 360 and roll out the other way and then throw a dart across his body. Like that's the play call because that's the kind of things that he can do. Yeah, and I think it goes just beyond the quarterback. Going back to Dable and the and the coaching angle of it, I remember when the 2017 Eagles really went on a roll there. You know, obviously, you know, Nick Foles 
get all the credit for being hot and he executed the offense, you know, to his credit, but the coaching was so masterful in that stretch. And I remember just having complete confidence the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl. Like going, flying out to Minnesota that week, I'm like, the Eagles are going to win this game. Like it wasn't a question in my mind because the coaching was just so good. And it wasn't even about the Patriots at that point. Like, oh no, the big bad Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. It wasn't about them. It was about the coaching in Philly was so good. And that reminds me of where Buffalo is right now and where Dable is. I just, I think, again, I use the term just a, a minute or two ago, but it, it's a well-oiled machine. They're just, it's so fluid. It's, it's, it's without um, hiccups. It's, it's such a thing to have confidence in right now. I feel really good about the bills. And can you point to any single transaction that has worked as well this year as the Stefan Diggs trade? Actually, to be honest, it helped Minnesota too, because they ended up with Justin Jefferson, who appears to be great. But Stefan Diggs is I mean, he's got to be loving life in Buffalo right now. He's absolutely incredible. He's been a perfect match for Josh Allen. I was totally wrong. I didn't think it was going to work because I didn't think Josh Allen was accurate enough to take advantage of what Diggs can do. Allen has totally stepped up his game, and they are among the best combinations in the entire league. Yeah, maybe we're not talking about Brandon uh, Brandon Bean enough. You know, you know, Sean McDermott gets a lot of credit. Josh Allen gets a lot of credit. How about the guy who put this thing into place, the Bills general manager? I think he's done a fantastic job with that team. I remember there was an offseason a couple of years ago where, like, they had all this cap space and they spent on all these free agents. And it was kind of weird to me because it wasn't necessarily, like, the biggest name guys. You know, it was, like, Cole Beasley in there. But he really created a core through that and obviously drafting well and, you know, supplementing that with a a big acquisition and Stefan Diggs, um, they've really built that team. Well, that's another big reason why I think there's there's good reason to believe in the bills, not only right now, but moving forward, they have a really good GM in place as well. Other than the chiefs, is there a team in the AFC you least want to play more than Buffalo? The Ravens. I really, I really want to see. Yeah, the Ravens are getting hot stats. They're they're ten and five here. They're the number six seed right now. I think a Bills Ravens game in the first round would almost be disappointing because I (laughs) I I don't like it's 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 unfair to see one of those teams knocked out like right away. Um, But yeah, I think man, I think the Ravens are really getting hot. You know, they had a good stretch at the beginning of the year. They got cold. The offense kind of lacked an identity, but they figured things out. And they're going into the postseason hot. And I think, you know, we've talked about before how Lamar Jackson doesn't have that playoff win. I think this is the year he gets it. I think I just have a, a really good level of confidence in this Ravens team. They're, you know, they're not that far removed from where they were last year. You know, I think because of the struggles, we kind of forget about that a little bit. Um, but they're really good, man. And I, and I think they're peaking at the perfect time. Yeah, you're right. You talk about a well-oiled machine with the Bills. I mean, you have the regular season. You have 17 weeks to figure out what it is you do well, and then how do you do that as much as possible? I think the Ravens have figured that out. Like you said, I think Buffalo has figured that out. And, I mean, really quickly on the Patriots, they are so far away right now. They have no threatening players on offense at all. Their skilled players, I mean, they can't get any separation ever. And their quarterback, I mean, they are clearly in the quarterback market. Who knows what they're going to do? Things are as bad in New England right now as they have been in over 20 years. That's why I threw them in the pit of misery last week. You know, they're (laughs) they're total losers, didn't make the playoffs. Now, to their defense, you know, obviously it was a a tough year in terms of a lot of the guys on their roster opted out due to COVID, so not ideal. 
Uh, I do want to say how crazy it is. Like everyone thought, remember, whenever, remember stats when everyone thought like, oh, wow, Cam Newton, what a steal. The Patriots did it again. Uh, not exactly. <laughs> He's Cam is clearly <laughs> cooked. Uh, the good thing, though, about the Patriots moving forward is they have a lot of cap space moving forward. So th- there is some kind of hope there um, that they can rebuild, uh, you know, if they go that route and they, they kind of make the right moves here. So it's not totally hopeless, but I mean, there's clearly a lot of work to be done. Yeah, we tend to do that with the Patriots. A lot of people just assume that whoever they acquire is going to be a great move. When if you go back and look at their history of their transactions, that's not really the case at all. Like there are many, many times where either draft picks or free agent signings just were bad. And, you know, there's a reason they get these guys at a discount. Cam Newton, what did he he sign for like a million bucks or whatever it was? I mean, it wasn't very much. And you're right. He has been awful. I don't think he's as bad as he's looked because the skill players around him are pretty terrible. But, he, I mean, he clearly looks washed, and I don't think he's back there next year. Do you? I can't see how you would bring him back as, you know, an un- unquestioned starter. And guess what? Jared Stidham, who once upon a time was going to be like the Patriots saver, savior back in the offseason before they even signed Cam, uh, not really impressed by him either from what we saw. Again, you, you talked about the situation not being perfect, but even so, I just, I, I'm not really seeing anything from what we've seen from Stidham this year. So it'll be interesting to see what the Patriots do. Obviously they're not really in position here to draft a quarterback super high. If the season ended today, you know, we'll see how things go in week 17, but they have the 14th overall pick at six and nine. So maybe they can kind of get a quarterback in there, but, but not a guarantee. Um, the, I was looking at the free agent quarterback market yesterday stats and it's, Spoiler alert, it's not very good. I mean, what do we got? It's like Dak. And, uh, you know, obviously the Cowboys are going to franchise tag him or or sign him to a long term deal. And then it's like Jacoby Brissett. Do you want to bring him back to New England? (laughs) Um, Not really an answer. So it could be that Carson Wentz trade. I was talking about that. That might be one of your. No, 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 no. (laughs) You know the trade the Patriots are going to make. And it ain't for their. The former quarterback they're bringing back (laughs) is not Jacoby Brissett. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. We all know it. I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. They're going to trade the 49ers for like a third or fourth round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. And everyone's going to praise the Patriots because they acquired a set. They gained a second round pick when they traded him away. And they're going to give up less than that to get him back. And everyone's going to assume it's going to work. And, you know, who knows if it does. But that is exactly what's going to happen. That is my prediction. You're shaking your head. No, don't poo poo. It, no, I'm saying it won't work. That's my, that's my oh, prediction. Okay. It will not work. Oh, okay. I agree with that. Um, so Josh Allen, four touchdowns last night. He's playing fantastic. And for a while, he was included in the MVP conversation. He sort of dropped out of it. But now, maybe he's starting to make a really late charge, BLG. So we wanted to do our power rankings this week of MVP candidates. Top three for each of us. I'll let you go first. Who do you have at number one? At this point, it has to be Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, he has 44 touchdowns, five interceptions. He has also has three rushing touchdowns, if you want to factor that in. I mean, the guy has just been unbelievable. He's I mean, probably going to pad those numbers or increase those numbers um, with the Packers still having a reason to play in Week 17 against the Bears. So uh, I think he has this pretty much locked up at this point. Rodgers has been awesome. Uh, 119.4 pass rating obviously leads the NFL. And I think it's important to remember that Rodgers did this after an offseason where the Packers did not cater to him. You know, they drafted a quarterback in the first round. They didn't really even sign anyone in free agency. They signed um, uh, Devin Funches, who opted out of the season. Like they didn't really, like they needed more help. And I think a lot of Packers fans were, you know, frustrated that they didn't give that to him back in the offseason. And Rodgers said, screw it. I'm going to win the MVP anyway. So, Really impressive. He has to be the guy. 
Yeah, to win the MVP, I think you need three things. One, you have to be a playoff team for sure. Two, you need the stats. But three, you also need narrative on your side. Narrative is a huge part of who wins the award. Going into the year, it was Russell Wilson, right? He's never gotten a vote for MVP. How could this be? We're screwing Russell Wilson. Then he starts off, he throws like 13 touchdowns in the first three weeks of the season. And he looks great. And you're like, holy crap, he's going to win the MVP. He has fallen off. And what did Aaron Rodgers do a few weeks ago? He gave that interview with Pat McAfee and he said, you know, I should have two or three more MVPs in my career. He's trying to, that was very calculated by Rodgers. He's trying to drum up that support, get that narrative on his side. Cause I agree with everything you said. I mean, he's got the other two. Clearly the Packers are probably going to be the number one seed in the NFC. He's got the numbers, 47 total touchdowns. He really only has Devonte Adams with him, who is spectacular, but that's pretty much it on that offense. I mean, he got Robert Tunyon, 10 touchdowns this year. Well, that's incredible. So he's got everything on his side. I agree with you. I also have Rodgers at number one. So that brings me to number two, which this is kind of very chalk up here stats, but I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. Now, I do want to say that Chiefs are in an interesting spot here going into the playoffs. They've won their last seven games by one score, you know, one score games. And in this most recent game against the Falcons, I mean, Pete Sweeney on Monday Football Monday, a very fine production from the SBD NFL show, said Mahomes like had his worst game of his career. And watching it, I felt the same way. I mean, there were multiple drop picks in that game. The Falcons really should have won that game, or at least obviously yeah. sent it to overtime. You have the, the most accurate kicker in the league missing, what, 39-yarder? Like, Chiefs have been getting fortunate here. And that doesn't make me think the Chiefs are frauds or anything. And obviously getting these two weeks to rest because they don't have anything to play for in Week 17 and then they'll get the first round by, um, they might you know, enter the playoffs and be just fine. But I don't know. I kind of wonder a little bit here how things are going for Mahomes. You look at his last four games, it's eight touchdowns, four interceptions. It's only 89.5 passer rating for Patrick Mahomes. You know, not so good um, for, for, you know, other quarterbacks, uh, you know, maybe bad quarterbacks. It's what you expect but for, for Mahomes. So um, not to say, you know, he's suddenly going to turn into a pumpkin in the playoffs, but I, I just think the chiefs, you know, we think of them as this invincible team. I'm not so sure. I totally agree with you. I think that a lot of his turnover-worthy plays haven't resulted in turnovers this year. So there's been an element of luck to that for sure. And when you're talking about MVP, like the last four games at this point in the season matter a lot. And he has fallen off a little bit. Rodgers just had a performance on Sunday Night Football in front of the whole world, which was incredible. And I agree. I think Mahomes is number two, but he's a clear number two to Rodgers where a couple of weeks ago, I might have made it closer, but now I think there's a little bit of distance between one and two on the list. Who's your number three? I wanted to not put another quarterback here because it's too, it's just boring. We're just putting quarterbacks up here. Um, it's hard for me, though, to not say Josh Allen, especially after watching, you know, Monday Night Football and how this Bills team is rolling and what he means. Uh, I think not only to that team in terms of like the production he gives them on the field, but I, I don't know if there's a, a quarterback. Uh, maybe a young quarterback like that's come into the league and really embrace like the culture of like the fan base and everything, the way that Josh Allen fits in Buffalo. Josh Allen, you know, was this guy that all the the draft Twitter people were like, oh, he sucks. You know, he's not going to be any good. He was basically a meme, right? Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, this guy, like he's not going to be any good. Everyone, these stupid GMs are falling in love with his size and athleticism, but he can't even throw the football that well. Uh, well, guess what? You know, Josh Allen proved a lot of people wrong. He's an underdog. Buffalo is an underdog. Um, so he really fits them well. 
you know, obviously has that team in great position. Uh, I wanted to put Derrick Henry here because I feel like Derrick Henry is almost being underrated. Like the Titans, I mean, like what are the Titans without him? Like he is their identity. He has 17,707 rushing yards this year. Uh, he has 15 touchdowns. Like he's, he's having an even better year than he did last season. And I almost think like last season's success is kind of like clouding that a little bit. Um, but I can't put a running back on here. It's just not right. Um, so it, it's Josh Allen, number three for me. What about you? Yeah, I have to put Allen number three, but I'm going to take issue with what you said a little bit, because to me, if you're going to throw a running back in there, I don't know that it's Derrick Henry. I think it might be Alvin Kamara. Mm. I mean, he's got 16 rushing touchdowns. He leads the league in rushing touchdowns. He's got almost 1,700 yards from scrimmage, 21 total touchdowns on the year. He just had a record tying six touchdowns in one game. I'm not sure that if I had to go uh, non-quarterback that I think it might be Kamara, especially when he's done a lot of his work without his starting quarterback. Yeah, the pass catching is huge. I mean, he's just really good. I mean, obviously, I don't think he's good enough to get the Saints to the Super Bowl the way Drew Brees is playing. But, I mean, he's obviously going to give them a chance to win a playoff game or two. I mean, you know, six touchdowns, ridiculous. Um, It's funny because, you know, we all talk about that uh, 2017 draft class and, you know, we think of the guys who went high up in there. You know, you look at uh, Fournette and Dalvin Cook, but it's really Kamara who's been the best. And, and I think by far, really. An incredible season from him. I, I knew he was good. I didn't realize he was this good. He is absolutely tearing it up. All right, let's take a break. When we come back from the break, we'll talk to Andy McNamara of Dogs by Nature about a, just a pathetic Cleveland Browns loss and whether or not they're going to actually fall out of the playoff picture completely. And we'll look at the rest of how week 17 is going to shake out in the AFC and the NFC. One of the most surprising things for me coming out of week 16 is that the Cleveland Browns could not handle their business against the New York Jets. And I know, I know, I can hear Browns fans now screaming at me that the team didn't have any wide receivers because of COVID and it was unfair and this, that, and the other thing. The truth of the matter is you lost to the Jets, and that's a big deal to me. But let's go to Cleveland, BLJ. Let's let's let the Browns fans defend themselves. Let's be fair. So we're going to welcome in Andy McNamara of Dogs by Nature. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, gentlemen, always happy to be on with you. Happy holidays and everything. And yes, excuses, all of them. I'm throwing all of them at you. Yes, it was a hose job by the end of a conspiracy theories. I've heard it all. But in the end, you're absolutely right. It was the Jets. Um, it was tough though, man. Like they went through, had to go through a walkthrough with wide receivers in the parking garage beside the hotel the day of the game. That's rough. <laughs> That's rough. Come on. You know, they, they're still a professional football team. There's still an NFL caliber team. It just, you know, it, it just, just seemed to be a little bit too much. And it's, it's just the perfect way. I think for Browns fans who, who know nothing comes easy, nothing, nothing. You beat the Jets, you're in simple enough. Couldn't do it. So here's my question then, Andy. If they was so bad with the wide receivers, why did Baker Mayfield throw the ball 53 times? Well, that, that's, that's the question with Coach Kevin Stefanski. Now, from what I saw, at least during the first half of the game, was the Jets figured that the Browns would try to run heavy and they really stacked the box, right? They really just said, okay, hey, you know what? We're going ha- to make you beat us with the wide receivers who just met Baker Mayfield, pretty much. <laughs> Right. Like that was that was the strategy. And for for Stefanski in Cleveland, I was a bit disappointed that you didn't just keep going with it. And it gets a little tricky. You know, they score quick. And that was kudos to Adam Gase, who is, in my opinion, the worst head coach in pro football and should be fired the second the season's over. 
But to their to their defense, they scored quick and they they tried to take the run game away from Cleveland and they did it. So good on them. But what we've seen all year from the Browns is you stick with that run game and come the third quarter, like how often have we seen Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt average two yards per carry? Third quarter, boom, busted it wide open. You just got to keep wearing them down. And I wish they just would have done more than that. Maybe some pitches to the outside, just more ways to get the ball into Nick Chubb and Kareem's hands. So I have a bone to pick with the Browns and it's personal. Um <laughs> It's it's really like serving me here, so this isn't okay. uh, wide appealing. But you know, if the Browns had freaking won and beaten the Jets, and if the Steelers, you know, didn't uh, come back against the Colts, then we would have been seeing you know a very fun uh, AFC mm-hmm. North Championship game in Week 17, and that would have been flexed to Week 17 Sunday Night Football instead of this stupid Eagles game that was flexed and it's totally meaningless and <laughs> making me watch this uh, stay up later. So anyway, that's an aside. Um, but yeah, but seriously though. Um, you know, like being in that position, though, like the Browns, like, oh, my gosh, it looks like, you know, the Steelers are going to lose. It looks like, you know, and the Browns, if they can just find a way to beat these Jets, they have a chance to, you know, win the division for the first time since the 80s, I believe. But instead, you know, they lose this game. The Steelers win to lock up the AFC North. And now I'm looking at football outsiders here and I see the Browns, their playoff chances went down by 30.7 percent, down to 58 yeah. percent heading into week 17. Uh, there's a chance the Browns don't make the playoffs at all, which is crazy because, you know, they have 10 wins. Uh, Andy, how are we feeling about that? And also I want to know, like, uh, to what extent is this season still a success if the Browns don't make it? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we have to go back no further than 2007, the last time the Browns had a winning record at 10-6. and six. And that year they missed the playoffs based on tiebreakers. And at that point, I don't remember the exact number, but it was something like it had been 12 years or something since a team that had 10 wins didn't make the playoffs. So it's like, okay, another only in Cleveland moment, you know, great. That's, that's fun. Um, but now it, it's, it's very likely that's going to happen. And we're going to have maybe a couple 10 win teams not make the playoffs this year. So that's just sort of the way the year goes and all the, the different tiebreakers and, and everything that, first of all, that week 17 Sunday night football game just would have been, I might have died, guys. I might have I might have died and you would be, hey, Candy, can you come on Monday and say, oh, Andy's dead from a heart attack because of the stress of that game. So maybe it's a good thing overall. But it's that would have been so much fun and just the perfect opportunity to vanquish the demons of the Pittsburgh Steelers of Ben Roethlisberger over the years. You could have squashed it all. Baker Mayfield could have gone legend. So we're not going to get that. Do the Steelers rest people? Buffalo locked up that two seed. Do they? Who, who knows? Either way, we know it is a tough out. Browns lost to Duck Hodges last year, okay? Duck freaking Hodges. You lost to Duck Hodges, okay? So nothing's given. Different coaching staff, much better place the team overall. But with this team, now all you got to do is worry about their mantra all year has been 1-0. Say every game, 1-0. If you win, you go into the next one. Lose, you go into the next one. So all they got to do, it comes down to literally one and oh, you win, you take care of your business. It doesn't matter the other tiebreakers. But if you don't and Pittsburgh plays spoiler, and especially if they sit like some starters and, and you have to go through that, um, then you have to have like the Colts lose or the Titans lose or there's just and, and all the other matchups are pretty easy. I think the Colts have the Jags or whatever, um, the Dolphins. So it just becomes easier if you're the Browns. Baker Mayfield is PO'd. And that's usually when he plays at his best. So let's see. You want to be a franchise quarterback. You want to earn franchise quarterback money. This is the type of game you have to win no matter who's playing on the other side, especially against the Steelers. 
Well, and now that's my next question because, you know, obviously everybody's going to try and take the run away from the Browns. That's clearly how their offense functions. So if you had to bet this month's rent, this month's mortgage on whether or not Baker Mayfield can get it done when the running game is not working, are you going to do that? You know what? Yes, I think I will, guys. This is different. This is a different season. It's a different Browns team. It's a different mentality. I know guys in the building, and they're telling me, Andy, like, this is something we've never seen. You don't have infighting. This time of year, Browns are usually getting ready to fire coaches or GMs or both. <laughs> right? That's, that's the, that's, this is the time of year. And usually they finish the year in Pittsburgh. You lose to Pittsburgh, guy gets booted out. And we saw it last year with Freddie Kitchens. But this year they say it's different in the building. There's confidence. The front office, the coaching staff are truly in lockstep. They're truly synergized together. And so that belief, they're all bought in. And you can use that loss to the Jets as the ultimate, okay, look, the league, however they want to play it to themselves. The league screwed us. They gave Baltimore all the, whatever. Whatever you got to do to pump yourself up. And it's against the Steelers. And you got to get into the playoffs. I'll say this. If Baker Mayfield can't, or if he fumbles the ball three times uncharacteristically like he did Sunday, maybe the dude's not the franchise quarterback. You got to step up in big games. You got to. You're the first overall pick. That's why you were drafted. You want the money. You go win those big games. And that's what he has to do. So I feel, yes, I think he's a gamer. I think you get those receivers back, which, by the way, we won't know until Wednesday if they can come back and practice on Thursday, as long as those close contacts don't turn into COVID. If the Browns get... All their starting wide receivers back. Nobody else goes on the COVID list. You get your left tackle, Jedrick Wills, back. I think they'll be in a great position. Wyatt Teller could come back as well, their Pro Bowl right guard. You get those guys back, there's no reason why you cannot beat a Pittsburgh Steelers team that got punked by Ryan Finley and the Cincinnati Bengals. If you can't beat the team, the Steelers, who lost to Ryan Finley, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Andy, assuming the Browns do make the playoffs, which AFC team... Do you think the Browns should most want to see, realistically, least want to see in the first round? And then do they win a playoff game? Boy. And, and you know what? And there's so many different scenarios, right? With the seedings and tie break. We're going to have so many tiebreakers. We're going to have to, our heads are going to be spinning. So really, the only team we know that they're definitely not going to play is the Chiefs because they'll be on the bye. So if I'm looking at matchup-wise, uh, especially with the Bills coming off Monday Night Football, I don't want none of Buffalo. I don't want none of that. That is, uh, whoo. <laughs> that team is legit. So if I'm looking at it, do I want the Steelers again? Let's see how they play. You beat the Steelers and you send a message. That'd be pretty cool, right? You not only do you get it, you get a chance to eliminate the Steelers from the playoffs. That's nice. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing, if I'm going to rank them, I wouldn't mind seeing the Colts, Steelers, Titans, if I put it in that. And the Browns beat the Colts and the Titans, so they would win any any tiebreaker. So it depends. That both might not be in it. So I would say in that order because Phil Rivers, yeah, kind of has the, the the choke job history. Good Colts team, but the Browns beat him. Tennessee scares me just with the Derrick Henry angle. Browns shut him down when they played this year. Can you shut down Derrick Henry twice? Eesh, that's that's a bit of an ask. So I'd put them sort of third, and then Pittsburgh. Big Ben's arm, man. They keep like he lasted all year, but that just looks like somebody who is just wearing down at 38 years old. So that would be the order. I think the Colts would probably be my preference. But really, there's no, there's no cupcake matchup. Like It's not like you're winning the NFC East and you're like, okay, you got an under 500 team because they won a division. Let's go. Right? So that would, that would be sort of my order. And I think, I think if, 
if you play any of those three teams, especially if the Browns beat the Steelers, you're playing a team that you've beaten. So yeah, you got a chance to win a playoff game. I hate to end it on a downer, Andy, but I have to ask because oh there is, you, I mean, look, Browns fans are no stranger to disappointment. If the Browns lose this game and do not get into the playoffs, where does that rank in terms of disappointing seasons in Cleveland Browns history? Oh, boy. Well, since expansion, since 99, you got to put it, I'd say even more so than 2007. I think it trumps the 2007 because that was a magical year. That was with Romeo Cannell, Derek Anderson. I interviewed Derek Anderson a few weeks back about that Brown season, and he played with the Bills, so it was all sort of tied in. And he was saying, he's like, man, he's like, if we would have got that tiebreaker, like you had Braylon Edwards, you had uh, 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 Jamal Lewis in the backfield, you had Joe Juravicious. He felt that team could have done something special, but it wasn't expected. And this year, not that it was expected, but you had all the pieces. You had all the talent there, and it was, okay, we just had to get rid of that Freddie Kitchens guy, and maybe. But all the COVID stuff, it would be a disappointment. I would say it would be probably, yeah, I'd say probably the the biggest disappointment since 1999, but not catastrophic, not in the same way where it's like, oh, now we got nothing. You still have a lot to build on if you have a full off season and all that. But certainly you'd have to address some questions because if you don't get in and it's not all on the quarterback, but we know they get too much credit and they get too much blame. There's going to be a lot of questions on Baker Mayfield if he's the guy to go forward. And I, I would say if they don't get in, then there will definitely not be any. Um, they'll pick up the fifth year, but they won't do any uh, uh, huge extension for him this year. Andy, thank you very much for the time. I'm rooting for the Browns. I think the Browns are, I think the league is better when the Browns are good. So I hope it happens. And thank you very much for joining us. Oh, anytime, guys. Let's let's get him in. Okay, let's get it. Longest playoff drought. First time since 2002. Let's get the Browns in. Come on, people. Thanks again to Andy McNamara. And Brandon, let's look at the rest of the AFC. And if it weren't for the Cleveland Browns, I think the team that we would be crushing most of all would be the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, they are absolutely whooping the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger looks washed. The defense in Indy is looking awesome. And then all of a sudden, Ben flips the switch. I don't know what happened, but the Steelers couldn't be stopped. And they come all the way back and beat the Colts. That is a horrible loss for Indy, who had everything in the world to play for. Horrible loss that has the Colts right now as the eighth seed on the outside looking into the AFC playoff picture. You said it. Last week or a couple weeks ago, stats, you don't want to see the Colts in the playoffs. I and do I'm not. with you there. Yeah. Yes. Why, why? They don't deserve it. I mean, they don't deserve it after that loss. I mean, obviously, they'll get the Jags this week, and we'll see if they can get help beyond that and maybe make it in here. Um, but I, I don't really want to see the Colts in the playoffs. Like you said, like, what are, what are we really going to – where's the intrigue? Like, we're just going to see Philip Rivers choke again like you just <laughs> did? Like, I just don't think there's much to be gained there, um, and, and you'd rather see the Browns in. I 100% agree with you. You said it in the beginning of the year. What is the ceiling with this team? I think they have clearly bumped against it and they are back on their way down. I mean, their biggest star on offense is a guard. Like, give me a break. (laughs) There's just nothing there with Indianapolis. They're not a finished product. If they had a different quarterback, I would probably feel a lot differently about them. But no, I do. I have no desire to see the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs. To me, there are much more interesting teams in the AFC one of which I think is the Miami Dolphins. I think they're really, really interesting just because I love the way Brian Flores, like your quarterback is stinking it up. He just pulls you right out of there and throws Fitz magic right in there. Like he does whatever it takes to win. And I think he could really be a problem for some teams in the AFC. 
it is almost baseball like it's a closer it's like he has a like a closing <laughs> quarterback and and then, and I don't hate it and it's it's unusual but that doesn't mean it can't be successful i mean obviously it was successful <laughs> this past week with the, the dolphins being able to beat the raiders definitely want to see uh, miami in the playoffs and i also think miami is handling it right i mean tua should be the guy i mean he's going to be their guy for the long term if there's a situation where they can win a game then and they absolutely have to, then sure, play Fitzpatrick. That makes sense. Extend the season because you're also getting a, a more of a chance to look at Tua. Like it's so it, like it's helping Tua in a way and in, in the long term, in the big picture. I know obviously it's kind of weird to think about that because ideally you'd like to have Tua in those moments. But I also think where the Dolphins stand offensively, they're just not in a good spot. You know, they're ahead of schedule in this rebuild. The offensive line isn't as good as it ideally should be. You know, supporting cast ideally isn't as good as it should be. The defense is good. The offense has a lot of work. They have a lot of work to do with that, and they they will do that. Right now, they own the number three overall pick stats, thanks to Houston. So they're going to be able to get some, you know, uh, maybe the top left tackle or whatever, however they want to work this, in the draft. Um, and, you know, so I think there's hope for this Miami team. I think they're they're feisty. They think they might be able to win a playoff game. That's probably their ceiling, but uh, I think that's worth it in terms of uh, what they're doing with the quarterback position there with Tua and then Fitzpatrick. So the situation in the AFC is this. The Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns can all get into the playoffs with a win. The Colts need a win and help so who's the odd team out in that grouping it should be the colts hopefully i mean like we just said <laughs> i you know it's kind of weird because uh you look at the, the titans they're playing the texans should be able to win that the texans are terrible um miami is playing buffalo um so so buffalo you know i guess they have nothing to play for will they, they be resting the starters um can the, the dolphins beat them anyway hopefully uh, and then the Ravens, you know, they get the uh, the Bengals here should be able to win, although the Bengals have been looking feistier. And then the Browns, I guess that's I guess the Browns is the real question mark, right? Like, do we trust the Browns to be able to beat the Steelers, even if they're resting the starters? Like, what if what if the Browns, you know, crap the bed again? Um, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think all those teams that need a win to get in should win their game. But if I had to pick a team that would drop one of those games, I agree with you. It's definitely Cleveland against Pittsburgh. And I, I want to follow up on something you said earlier, too. Like, the Ravens are so interesting if they can find a way to get in. With the offense that they run, with the whole narrative about Lamar and playoff games, there's so much juice with Baltimore. I just I pray that they get in because – that's especially when your team is out of it. Like I I'm rooting for narratives now in the playoffs and almost nobody has a better one than Baltimore. And then with this year, you know, home field advantage being, you know, less meaningful than ever. I mean, they're in a, that's why I feel even better about them. Cause it's not like they're going to have to play a road playoff game. I mean, a true road playoff game. So yeah, I like how they're on the rise. Um, why don't we flip it over to the NFC playoff picture stats in the NFC? It's not as juicy as the AFC, but obviously there are still things to play for. The number one seed is still up for grabs. The Packers can clinch the top seed with a win over Chicago. The Saints and Seahawks can also get the number one seed, but they need to win and they need the other two teams in that little triangle to lose. But it is, it's potentially there. The Washington football team can win the NFC East <sighs> if they win their game. What's wrong? I, I hope they do. <laughs> I hope they do win that game. So we, we've got that. I mean, they're cutting Dwayne Haskins. It's been a crazy sort of week for the Washington football team. The Cowboys can clinch 
with a win and a Washington loss. And the Giants are still not out of it in the NFC East. It is just a weird division is going to be weird right down to the final week of the season. I think the Bears are interesting here, Stats, just because they were left for dead. You know, they're on this, what, six-game losing streak. You guaranteed they wouldn't make the playoffs at one point, and that is not, uh, like, that was fair to say. (laughs) That was not an unreasonable stance at all, and obviously Nick Foles was the quarterback at the time. But I think the Bears, really interesting short-term position they're in in terms of being able to maybe make the playoffs here. Very bad position long term. I mean, what are they really going to convince themselves here that Trubisky is the guy because they go on this late season run? Are they really going to re up him? And, and I mean, maybe they actually don't have a choice and he's their best option because it's not like they're going to be able to draft someone. Um, so, so maybe they almost might as well just make the playoffs here. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they do against the Packers. Obviously, if they beat the Packers, then yeah, they really deserve to be in the playoffs. And I don't think they're going to make much noise in the postseason. Um, I don't know. Let's say they get the seventh seed. Are the Saints definitely a lock to beat them? I don't know, yeah. especially if, Dre- if Breeze is going to struggle. Um, so I think they could make things a little interesting. You mentioned the NFC stats. It's only right that I mentioned, yes, please, Washington, win this game. <laughs> hold that- on, hold on, hold on. I'm not done with the Bears because, you know, everyone's loving Mitchell Trubisky right now. Do you realize the teams that Mitchell Trubisky has faced? The Texans, who you just said are terrible the Minnesota yep. Vikings, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, mm-hmm. not exactly the cream of the NFL crop here. So I don't care that the Bears have scored 30 points for three games in a row. First time they've done that since Gale Sayers was the running back, by the way. Like, I'm not buying this. Like, why do we do this? Oh, you've played, you, you put up a lot of points. You must be really good. Like, no, sometimes you just play okay, and the other team stinks. And I think that's exactly what's happening with the Bears. I don't think they're going to beat the Packers, and I think they're going to be in the worst possible place, almost in the playoffs with no idea what to do with quarterback. What they're experiencing right now is a false positive, for sure. There's no question about yes. that in the long term. I mean, in the short term, again, it can be fun to root for your team for to make the playoffs. I get it. I'm not going to begrudge Bears fans who want to see their team in the playoffs. Winning's the point of the game, but... Like when you look at the big picture view, it's just it's not good. And they got to get rid of Ryan Pace too. What are they going to do? Keep Ryan Pace around to to make another quarterback decision uh, if they do make the playoffs, or or you know, or if they read into this late season momentum in a way that you know has them thinking that can actually carry over into next year. No, that would be really bad. And we have to talk about the L.A. Rams and the Arizona Cardinals because. This is going to be the weirdest situation ever, B.O.J. You've got the Rams and the Cardinals playing in Week 17. The Rams clinch a playoff spot with a win. The Cardinals clinch a playoff spot with a win. And it looks like neither team in this game may have their starting quarterback. Jared Goff broke his thumb. He just had surgery. He's not going to play. Kyler Murray took a big shot on the final play, basically the final play that mattered against the 49ers. He may not play in this game. So we could have a game with two backup quarterbacks the winners go to the playoff and neither starter is going to be in the game. I almost feel like it's a lose-lose for the Rams in a way. And like John Wolford comes in and he plays well. And then it's like, oh, uh, why do we pay Jared Goff again? Like if he has success and it's really just the coach, um, not to say, you know, Wolford definitely will, or he's like the long-term answer. But I, I, it's just like I, I have a hard time uh, looking at how the Rams come away from this one feeling good. I mean, even if they make the playoffs, is Goff definitely going to be back? in the playoffs and if he is does that even matter with how poorly he's been playing i mean you know you talk about the hot teams going into the playoffs the rams are very much a cold team going into the playoffs not where you want to be 
uh, yeah, don't feel good about the Rams right now. And it's weird because I was feeling we there was reason to feel good about them not so long ago. Golf was fine, and the defense was playing really well. But you know, I just I don't think you can trust them like you you could a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely not. And, and they're not interesting anymore. You know, we were talking about the Colts and and them being interesting or not interesting in the AFC playoffs. If if Golf is not there to me, the Rams are are not interesting. I do not want to see them in the playoffs if it's going to be backup quarterbacks. Like, no. Like, I want to see teams that have a legit chance to win the Super Bowl in the playoffs. Those are the only teams I'm interested in. If you can only win one playoff game, if that's your ceiling, get out. Like, I have no desire to see that. And in the NFC, honestly, like, I feel like there's only a couple of teams that can do that. Clearly, the Packers can do that. I think the Saints can do that for sure. And I think Seattle can do that. Other than that, in the NFC, I don't know. So you're not buying the Buccaneers? Who? No. Yeah. I, oh, I haven't been buying them either. So that's, that's you know, just because they come back against the Falcons, which they could have lost that game, should have lost doesn't? that game. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't mean anything to me. And then they, I mean, the Lions just look like more disinterested, I think, than I've ever, just like totally don't give an F uh, more than any other team possibly this year. Like just listless. And obviously, too, they had their coaching staff out due to COVID and there's injuries there and whatnot. So it was really just a culmination of a lot of you know bad things for the Lions there. Uh, I want to talk to you about the NFC East a little bit, though, stats, because obviously uh, division close to my heart. And again, I'm I am so distraught. So a little peek behind the curtain here stats for you into my life. I went to bed early on Sunday night after the Eagles lost to the Cowboys. I wake up early in the morning, like five o'clock. First thing I see. It's like this always happens to me where I leave Twitter and like the first tweet that comes up when I wake up the next morning or, or I'm away for a while is like this big news thing. And I see that the Eagles were flexed to Sunday Night Football. And I, I legitimately thought I was having a nightmare. I was like, I'm not awake right now. Like This is this is a bad dream. But no, it's real. They're playing despite being eliminated from the worst division in NFL history in week 16. The Eagles will be playing on Sunday Night Football because, as you mentioned, uh, if Washington wins, they're in. I don't know if they will be because I think the Eagles are going to unfortunately play hard in this game. And Washington is starting Taylor Heineke. Heineke don't even know how to say his last name properly at quarterback, potentially if Alex Smith isn't ready to go. And then, uh, yeah. And I think it would be such an even worse season for the Eagles. Like if they go out there and they play for pride air quotes and basically what I'm expecting to happen in the one o'clock window is the Cowboys to beat the giants. And if that happens, the Cowboys beat the Giants, and then the Eagles beat Washington. Then the Eagles are just handing the division to Dallas. So that would be terrible, and I fully expect it to happen. Fully expect the Eagles to ruin their draft pick. So uh, everything is terrible. <laughs> I think the Eagles are going to play hard. Like Jalen Hurts has to continue to show that he can be the guy there, right? Like he he's not going to go out there and go through the motions. He's going to go and play as hard as he absolutely can because he wants to be the starter next year. So I agree. I think your Eagles are going to play hard. The the and well, you're shaking your head. You're you're mad at this. You might have found your quarterback. Don't shake your head. I mean, it's not about that. I mean, obviously, if he plays well, there's there's value in that. But it's just like the idea of any kind of pride or this can carry over to the next year is just totally BS to me. And also the idea of ruining the draft pick is, is harmful to me. I mean, even regardless of what happens in this game, the Eagles are in a really bad way. Stats, there's really not much hope here. There's no quick fix. There, again... This is the second most expensive roster in the NFL. And they couldn't win in NFC East, or they couldn't. They, they were the first team eliminated from this terrible NFC East, despite the fact that 
their quarterback situation was stable in terms of Carson Wentz got benched, but he was healthy. Like he, yeah, he, didn't get hurt. he was, weren't forced to make a change based on injury. Unlike Washington, unlike the giants, unlike Dallas, like it's so pathetic that the Eagles weren't able to win this division or at least, you know, be alive into it going into week 17. And, and there was lining up for them. Like, the Giants lost, which the Eagles needed to happen, to the Ravens. The Carolina was had an early lead and then obviously beat Washington. And had the Eagles fi- found a way to beat the Cowboys last week, they would have been playing for a shot at the division. Now, that would have been a, just a distraction from the real issues at play here and wouldn't have really fixed anything in the long term. You know, I agree that hurt showing potential is important. But, uh, yeah, I think this the Eagles are really just doomed. And uh, it's going to be another year here where there's not a repeat NFC East winner. It hasn't happened since 2004. This is the weirdest division ever this year. Look, this tweet from Field Yates, I had to save it. Here's what's at stake for the Giants in Week 17. With a loss and wins from some other teams, they could pick as high as third in the draft. <laughs> With a win and a Washington loss, the Giants would win the NFC East. To have both of those things potentially happen based on the outcome of one game is absolutely incredible. And by the way, kudos to you because you picked the Ravens over the Giants in our survivor picks. That was dead on. So you are now 11-4 and on the year. I had the Cardinals over the 49ers. I am absolutely stunned that the 49ers won that game. Terrible showing by the Cardinals who were absolutely outclassed in that one. So that is a loss for me. I am 9-6 and in the survivor picks. What do you like this week? And what am I again? I've already clinched this. You are 11 and 5. Okay, so I have clinched this already. So it doesn't really even matter who I pick. I still beat you. We're still going to do playoff picks. Okay, that's fine. Um, As far as the regular season goes here, I'm going to do something crazy. And I, I always, again, I always say I kind of make my picks in part because I want to talk about them on the show a little bit. And if, if we don't get to a team that I wanted to talk about, I kind of shoehorn them in here. And I'm going to take the Jaguars, who haven't won since week one. But who did they beat in that game? They the, Colts. the Colts. And they're playing the Colts again. And the Colts have their issues. Now, the Jaguars are terrible. But the real reason why I'm picking them is kind of I just want to talk about them here because I think the Jaguars – First of all, they have every reason to win now because they locked up the number one pick. It's not like they need to tank anymore. Um, and kudos to them on that. Stats, the Jaguars have a bright future ahead of them. Now, doesn't guarantee it'll pan out, but in terms of this is the least expensive roster in the NFL. It's the youngest roster in the NFL. They have two first-round picks this year and maybe two in the top 18 if the Rams don't make the playoffs. They have two third-round picks, I believe, two fifth-round picks, two seventh-round picks. They're loaded with draft assets. This is like probably the best general manager job out there in terms of uh, opportunity to build something on your own. You're going to get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, You can probably hire your own head coach, which there's value in that. It's not like you're going into a situation where the head coach is established. So I think the Jags are in a really good spot. And that division isn't necessarily like there isn't like a Patriots or a Chiefs in that division that's definitely going to be ruling over them. Um, like you could kind of worry about with, say, the Chargers job. Uh, so I think the Jags are in a really good spot. I'm going to say they're going to end this season with a win, and they started the season with a win. It'll be really weird, really funny, and uh, and it'll, and it'll send them on a good note into the offseason that has a lot of promise. That I did not realize that, that the Jags were in that situation because when you first said it, I was all set to, to step all over you and crush you, and then you kind of laid it out there, and I was like, damn. That's pretty good. And and your point about the division, I think, is well taken, too, because 
that's a huge part of it. Like if you're a coach, especially if you're a guy that's getting his first job, like you want to be able to win right away. So if you're going into a division that's not, you know, stacked, you're not going into the AFC North or the NFC West, that's an attractive landing spot. Plus you're in Florida, the weather's nice. Like I agree, Think the arrow is pointing up on the Jags and it would be great that they would go in a whole season with the only team that they have, would have beaten would have been the Indianapolis Colts. And that would just be the cherry on top of the Colts season as well if they were to lose that game. That's a good pick by you. I am going to go with the Tennessee Titans over the Houston Texans. Again, it's not super sexy. You would think that Tennessee would be able to do it. They have they have things to play for in this game. Deshaun Watson's actually had a really good year. It's just everything around him is a complete dumpster fire. But I'll take the Titans in that one. I got to try and get my, you know, stay within striking distance here if we're going to continue this into the playoffs so I could really use the win. So I'm going to go with the Titans over the Texans. Texans are such garbage, man. They're just so bad. I know Watson's there, and you have some level of hope with that. Maybe they can get the right head coach in there, but I mean, they're lacking these draft assets. You don't have the number three overall pick potentially. You know, we'll see where it ends up, but like, it's crazy. Uh, I, I really just don't love the situation they're in, and I know it's been a good year for Watson, but man, just not a ton to feel great about there. They're like the opposite of the Jags, right? They have the quarterback in place. They don't have a first round pick. They don't have a second round pick. They don't really have a, there's a a little bit around Watson there. There's some pieces, but for the most part, the roster is not anything to be special. Like the arrow is pointing down on the Texans and up on the Jags. All right, that is going to do it for the week 17 edition of the Off Day Debrief. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We love all your comments so far. Please keep them coming. Enjoy the games this week, everybody, and we'll talk to you in the playoffs.